Hey, welcome back to Freedom Decoded. We are Demir and Carrie Bentley. We have ditched our nine to five, started our own business, moved abroad, and today we are passionate about showing other professionals and business owners how to live their own unconventional life in the most productive way possible. And you can learn more about us at lifehackmethod.com. So today we are talking about a super cool topic. Uh, This is a podcast, by the way, where we are letting our hair down. We are giving you a peek behind the curtain of what (laughs) we are actually doing inside our own life and our own business. And today we are talking about how we created our zero email business. Yeah. Um, You know, what's funny is this is like a unicorn for certain people. Like that doesn't exist. That's not possible. That's not possible. You can't have or or they they just they, they just feel like. And, and maybe rightly so, because the, the, the marketing world is filled with like broken promises where people are promising quick money and easy results. And that doesn't exist. We, in fact, right. you and I rail about that all the time that people are promising things that don't exist. Don't get us started on like automated income. And just like that freaks. I'm just so angry about the fact that but, but <laughs> people promise that. What, what we're talking about when we say zero email, it's not like we never receive an email and never yes. send an email. What we're talking about is in order to run our business, we don't communicate internally with any of our employees via email. And I would say 99.99% of our client communications also happen outside of email. Right. Um, it, l- l- actually, let's just let's give a sense. What, what does a zero email company look like? I mean, for me, the, the clearest sort of manifestation of that is that I process my inbox once per week. So people say batching three, four times per day. Oh. I batch my email once per week for 30 minutes. And usually I'm tackling about 20, 15 to 20 emails. So so just for a scale, I, I've got clients who are getting three, 400 emails per day. Right, that's a And lot. it doesn't let up on Saturday. Maybe they'll get 100 emails per day on Saturday. So they come in on Monday and they've got, you know, well, and there's something about just up. seeing that, like that number in the thousands of unread emails or even of just total emails in your inbox. That's so, it's so like just crushing. So crushing. crushing. Yes. It makes you feel like you're behind or that there's somebody that needs your input or needs to be responded to. And you're like letting them down by not responding to them. And so, yeah, just the feeling of looking at our inboxes and like right now I'm, I just checked mine and there's 14 emails right now in yeah. my inbox. I've got nine. It. Yeah. I've got nine I emails mean, in my inbox. And most of them could just probably be erased and you know like all the important things are already done yeah yeah exactly and you know less i'm sure there's people out there immediately think well yeah you must have some really you know non-email related business maybe you're like an edge case so we're coaches we're in a service business yes right we communicate for a living (laughs) we we coach and serve people and communicate with them for a living right we have we currently have about 750 active clients. Mm-hmm. So we're in a service business with 750 active clients and I get less than 20 emails per week. That's the promise of a zero email lifestyle. Yes. Yes. So, um, really quick, I think what our, you know, our current team setup is, cause I think that's important to yeah, sort of yeah. go over. We don't have hundreds of clients. Well, we don't have hundreds of team members. Oh, sorry, we do have hundreds of clients. Members. Yeah. Sorry. Yep. Um, well, Our current team member, our team setup, we don't have like a huge team, is three full-time workers, three part-time workers, and about five 
what I would consider project-based based contractors, contractors yeah. that I, they would quote me a project and I use them a couple times a year or something like that. Yeah. So like, you know, my, my guy who does the taxes and that kind of thing. Yeah. Graphic designer using a couple times a Web year. Web developer, yeah. like that kind of thing. So more project-based people and then more like part-time and then full-time workers. So we try to keep the team super light. I know, I mean, some people have like, you know, <laughs> just them and one assistant, you know, so it's even smaller. Um, and they have huge businesses. Unfortunately for us, we haven't figured out how to go that small yeah. yet, but I think compared to a lot of people in the space, we are still pretty tight. I think this in itself is illustrative of our approach, right? I, whether people acknowledge it or not, I think we've come to believe that headcount is a sign of how successful your business oh, is, yeah. right? Oh, we have 300 employees. We have 400 employees. And I, I, I got sucked into that too. Like I thought that was just so great. And, and now I'm like, no, I'm I like, I think I forget. Is it Atlassian or something? There's a company out there that has 50 employees and makes oh, yeah. a bill, like billions of dollars a yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, that's it. Like <laughs> that is the dream. Like making tons of money with like no middle management layer. Right. Very little communication overhead, you know, like instead of like a steam engine, you know, this giant like tanker, it's like a, 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 a nimble little boat. That's how we've been able to keep a good profit margin. Yes. Versus having sort of like razor thin profit margins. Like that's always been our goal is to be able to like really actually make the business work for us in terms of making the kind of profit we want to be making. But it's, it's more than just money too. It's, I mean, selfishly, it means that we don't have a lot of communication overhead. And when it comes time to do a team meeting, we're on the phone with five people, not 50 people. Right. Or we don't have a middle management layer where somehow we need to reach the front lines by communicating through these five managers. Yeah, the more people there are, the more communication actually needs to happen. So I think what you're saying is we've reduced total amount of communication we have to have just by having a smaller team. Yes, yes. Which then means... You know, that has the knock on effect to what we're going to talk exactly. about. Exactly. You have, yeah, you want to start like as if you can have fewer team members, there's just fewer numbers of communications yeah. that have to happen. Yeah. A fewer number. So, so, so maybe that could be our setup. You yeah. Know? If, 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 from a setup perspective, we believe that, and this will come back later, I think, in our conversation, we believe that every hire is a failure. Yep. And it doesn't mean the people we hired, by the way, okay. Arlie. No, no, no. Aiden, they're amazing. Saying, Our team we're not amazing. talking about you guys. What I'm saying is if we had to hire somebody, it was a failure of us to think cleverly enough to fill that need for the client without hiring somebody else. Yeah. A human being. Right. Right. Um, and that keeps us in a brain space where instead of automatically thinking, yeah, we'll, we'll just hire somebody to solve that problem. We will think for 50 hours how to solve that problem before we even consider right. whether we're going to hire somebody. Yeah, we try really hard with automation and that, those sorts of things that can help us sort of like make the human component less necessary. Yeah. Um, for sure. But like, I think also a good point to make is that we don't strive to email people a lot. Like we think yeah. that email is sort of a non-optimal form of communication. I mean, it's kind of a lose-lose, right? Yeah. Like yeah. you always want an immediate response to whatever email you're sending, but like you're never going to get that. So then you're sort of like sending an email and then you're just waiting for the response and no party is really happy because then the person receiving it's like, they don't want to be answering email. Like no one likes to answer email. You know? Yeah. Like nobody in the world, when they send an email from me is like, oh, goody. Oh my God. I get to send an e I get to stop what I'm doing and open an email and annoyingly like henpeck out my message and try to take something that frankly 
it's hard to write and write it out and like the process of even writing the email yeah, sucks. Yeah, it sucks, yeah. But then when you push send is when the real anxiety starts. Right. Are they going to respond? When are they going to respond? Am I going to have to follow up with this person to get them to respond? Oh, now it's on me? Wait, so I need something from Carrie, but it's on me to constantly like follow up and follow up and follow up. And like, just, just pause and take a breath and think about that. You don't want to receive that email, but they also don't want to send it. Right. Right. Like, That's true. You know, it's, this is nobody in this entire interchange is saying, oh, goody. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, um, that sort of has to do with how email evolved, right? Because it was designed as just a way to communicate or to communicate faster, right? So the existing way of communicating was like secretaries running notes to yeah. people's desks in, inside <laughs> the company and that, or like picking up the phone and like playing phone tag. So email compared to that feels like, you know, the equivalent of getting a faster horse. So you're yeah. riding a slow horse, you're getting a faster horse. You're just doing the same exact thing, but just like faster. Yeah, but then I, I think the problem with email became that because it was so much faster and easier, people did a lot more of it than they needed to yeah. because it cost them nothing. It's like, okay, just, you know, question, 10 questions equals 10 emails to the same person in one day, rather than just like, you know, stopping by their office and asking all 10 at once. I mean, I think this, this is, this epitomizes the whole issue that we're having society-wide with the impact of technology, yes. right? We're, we're finally starting to, the chickens are coming home to roost and we're realizing what, like for example, even Spotify. Spotify is such a great technology. You can listen to any song, anytime, anywhere, right? But you, lo you, you lost that enjoyment of sort of walking up, like putting on a record, like, you know, being forced to listen to the whole album, not just the one song that you like the most and it, like, and actually develop a taste and a vibe for the whole record and what the and, artist and was trying to. And since you bought the whole record, you're what, you're listening to it like multiple times. Yeah. You're sharing with your friends. You're like, look, I got the record. Like, that do you want to come over? the soundtrack of the summer because you just like are so into that. So, so we're starting to realize that, yeah, even with these conveniences, something is lost and, yeah. it, and it sort of reauthors the texture of, of like our reality. And there's weird other externalities that happen that we couldn't have predicted because of the way humans interact socially. Like, so for example, if I send you an email at like 8 p.m. and then you get it because you're checking yeah. your, your mail at, at the dinner table and then you respond really quick and then I get it back and I'm like, oh, great. Like Demir will respond to my emails at eight. And so then I start doing a little bit more and now I have an expectation that you're going to respond. Yeah. And so then you were just trying to do me a favor that one time, but now it's like this expectation and yeah. now you're like working all the time and everybody's always on. And I mean, I, I hate it when managers come to me and say, well, they don't have to respond. They don't have to. And it's like, this is the, this is the Louis C.K. issue. I'm going to talk honest. Oh here, man. Right. Like, <laughs> listen, you can, if you exert influence over somebody yes, and you, even if you ask them permission, you need to recognize that like, like that person might have a strong incentive not to be honest with you yeah. and say, no, actually, I don't want your emails at eight, No one's going to tell that to their boss. Because it's their boss. They, right. Like there's a way you, you, for, you fear retribution, right? Yeah. You're even like, if they say there's not going to be, like there might be any, uh, some oh, kind of. Be, be honest with me. It's like, <laughs> like you have to be responsible right. for understanding the power that you you know, have that you have and yeah. the, the influence that yes. you exert over and it's, people. It's the non, it's the non-communicated influence, right? Because we're very attuned to people's social gestures and, you know, style of behavior. I mean, I actually had bosses when I worked in corporate actually 
tell me I was doing a good job when they saw all of us emailing together at 1130 at night. Like they yeah. were like, I'm so glad everyone is online emailing. I'm like, like that's the exact they actually said it. So, but yeah, like even if they didn't actually say it, there was this sort of like non verbalized expectation that if the boss was online, you should be online. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, but I just, listen, if somebody thinks that's a good thing, they're almost beyond our reach. That's like, that's, I can't yeah, even we're not even talking, we're like, talking about like a normal, regular like, person. The person I get mad about is like, well, no, I don't want my, t- I don't want my team to feel that right. they have to email me. Or even I tell my team not to email me, but I am. do anyways. Right. It's like, it's, you really got to step up and recognize that like you're setting the tone and you have to really dig for those unspoken, like, you know, uh, what do they call that? Like, uh, just the things that build up, the culture that you build up, like little by little, um, and it just sort of accrues. What, you, you had a word for that. I can't remember. Uh, I don't remember. Um, vicious cycle? Yeah, well, like rule, like it, it's just like the sort of culture that builds up yeah. around communication. And I want to talk about that, too, when we talk about what we've done, because it's sort of you can't just set a, a culture in place and then like set it and forget it. It's like yeah. you have to work on it continually. OK, we've we've we've. <laughs> The, the promise of this is pretty big. <laughs> yeah. Like zero email. Like we, I guess we have to talk about the, the problem with email is that is the failure of the imagination to imagine what could come after it. Yeah. Yeah. Because, what else are you going to use? And I think you sort of said this earlier when, if you went back to the horse and carriage times and talked about what the next mode of communication could be, the only thing people could imagine would be a faster horse, a super right? horse. They, they weren't thinking trains. They weren't thinking, you know, automobiles, uh, you yeah. know, hi, uh, like hyper tubes or hyper loops. Right. No. They were just thinking like faster horses. Right? right. And so, you know, it really is hard to see past like what could be after email. So what is, what's the world look like post email? Yeah. I mean, um, for me, it's, it's a completely different way of communicating where instead of the emphasis being on communication, ad hoc communication. The yeah. emphasis is on defending your team's deep work time and keeping communications relegated to um, essentially a project management platform where they're inside each task. Yeah. Right? And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, but I think what's necessary to do that, and by the way, this is not like we are not the only ones thinking this. Like actually Cal Newport just published a book yeah. called A World Without Email. Yep. And Great he gives book. a lot of examples of companies that are already doing also what, what Demir and I have done here at Lifehack Method with tremendous results. Yeah. So this has now been proven, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah. So and, and billion dollar companies are, are do, doing yeah, this. Yeah. So so anybody out there who's thinking, well, this is just a niche thing that small people can get away with. No, no, big ne- companies. No. Yeah, no, big it's companies. even better. It's, it's even better when big companies do it. The, the reason why often big companies don't is because it, the change has to come from the top. Like yes. it is not one individual worker's job to create the culture of productivity at their company. I'm going to pause you on that because that gets into our first point. So yeah. here, here's what we're going to talk about. Like the invariable question here for this is how do you, if you're listening, or how did we maybe, yeah, how um, did, how we, did yeah. we create a zero email in, inbox? And, yeah. and, and the number one is what you said, which is it's got to start from the top. You have to have management that is not afraid to have a point of view on how things should work. On how you should work, on how you should go about your day, because otherwise you're just going to default to like whatever people want to do. Like you're in charge of your own personal productivity and it's just like you communicate however you want. You schedule meetings however you want. You just like work however you want. And like that's not going to be effective because you're going to default to like what cre- what creates the most results at the individual level, not what creates the most results for the organization. This just makes my blood boil. I mean, I really, yeah. I, I get so angry about this. <laughs> here's, here's, 
let me give you an analogy that sets up how absurd I think it is for a management team to take a hands-off approach to not just communications, but productivity. It's like saying uh, to all the drivers on all the roads in your country, uh, you know, just do whatever, you know, whatever works for you, right. you know, just, just drive however you think you should drive. And, and, you know, we'll all sort of like come together and, you know, in aggregate, we'll figure out, you know, how did this whole roads thing work? No, how no, is that country going to work? Well, I think there's actually been a study, a really ancient study done on this called, I think it's called like the curse of the commons or something like that, where basically if a bunch of farmers were given a common area with which yeah, to graze yeah. their horses, um, they would all just outgraze it, it because yeah. for the personal farmer, like their personal interest is to just like get as much of that grass as possible for their horses, yep. even though they're basically destroying it for the long run. Like yeah. in the long run, if nobody gets it, that's obviously yeah. worse. Tragedy of the commons, I think. Thank you. Tragedy, Tragedy of the yeah. commons. And so basically like at the individual level, like you're not going to create that, that increase in value for the, for the whole group. But also there's just certain policy decisions and government policy, but also company policy that cannot be made from the bottom up. They have to be made from the top down. Exactly. And safe roads are one. You need to say, what does a stop sign look like, right? Should you stop? And what does it mean? Like, like, what are the rules for what that What are the stop rules? Sign? Like, who goes first? And that's how you have safe, happy drivers who know what to expect and know how to be on the roads. And so to me, the absurdity that makes my blood boil is when you leave your workers in your company uh, to their own devices to figure this out, you're going to have roads with tons of car crashes. Right. And that's basically what productivity in companies is, a massive pileup and car crash that just like descends to the lowest common denominator. So all the roads basically look like India or Indonesia, just like a free-for-all, right? right. Like, <laughs> or drive on whatever side of the road worse, you want It would to. be worse than that. It would be worse than that. Well, okay. So what we did was in terms of starting from the top and creating that that team-wide culture of the kind of productivity workflow we wanted to see was um, we decided on, first of all, that everybody's deep work time needed to be prioritized. Yes. What does that mean? That means that we're defending people's time around anything that creates value. Basically, their their time to actually get work done. Yes. It's, so we are we we don't like it when people communicate. If if they're communicating about something, it means something has gone wrong, right? It, we we want our goal is for them to be spending as much time as possible actually doing the work that has been assigned to them. Yeah. And this is where I think people totally lose perspective on deep work and shallow work. And we'll we'll have people constantly coming up to us and saying, "Are my meetings deep work?" And uh, again, just quick quick analogy: if you're buying sausages from a sausage company, right? You know that for every dollar you paid, some portion of that dollar went to things that aren't sausages, right? Yeah. Went to like, there have to be meetings at the sausage factory and like marketing and strategy and, and like, you and know, like maintenance. You know, you understand that for the dollar you paid for the sausage, some portion of that did not go to just inputs for sausage, right? right? Meat, yeah. But here's the thing, like you're willing to accept that as a portion of it, because at the end of the day, it's a part and parcel of getting that sausage. But if I told you, Carrie, that I will, that you don't get a sausage, but what I'll give you is all the meetings. The cost for all the meetings like, and emails and You all would that. say like, no, I'm willing to pay for some of that shallow work to happen so that I can get the sausage. But if you took away the sausage and tried to give me the other part, I will never pay for that. So just think for yourself, like, and this is what we do when we think about right. it, is like, what is the sausage? What really shows up to the client that they're paying for, and what is the stuff that they'll they'll begrudgingly pay for because they know it's necessary to provide right. them with and the Right, and we are actively always looking for ways to improve our service such that our client realizes we've improved it. Yeah. Not so that, like, 
it's just working better for us or whatever. Like it's yeah. about, we were actually about cutting anything out, anything out of the process that's not actually being perceived by the client as value added. But but recognizing that it's like almost like margins, you're never going to cost. No, it's sold. never going to cost cut out everything. Yeah, yeah obviously. Yeah. But you always seek to reduce it, yeah. right? You know, no, and, and, so, and such. So then the point being that meetings are shallow work. Yes. I, I mean, yes, meetings are shallow, but writ large, we have a perspective as a company around like a radical clarity around what's the sausage and what's the input, like what's the overhead to make the sausage happen. And that really helps us create a cleavage where we, we, it's not about valued work versus unvalued work, but it really helps us understand like how to zone in for each and every one of our employees and say, what do they do that really makes it to the client like as sausage. Right. right. And and going along with that, by the way, we only do have one team meeting a week, which yeah. we frequently cancel because of holidays or simply because we just don't feel the need to hold it. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we keep it, we keep it super lean. Yeah. So, and, and another big part of that is we have a policy and, and this is something that we teach a lot to the teams that we train is we have a 48 hour minimum turnaround policy. Um, and, and, and that helps to serve, to reduce the, impact on people's deep work, because it means that if I'm going to assign you something, Carrie, I do just by default, I am not going to expect anything sooner than a 48 hour turnaround time. Yeah. And this fact, is crucial. We aim for a week. Right? Yeah. Most or of the more. Time we yeah. Aim like for we, a week. as far out as possible. Yeah. But it's never expected to be immediate. Yeah. So it is extremely rare in our company that anybody is asking for something that they need in less than a 48 hour turnaround time. And it has just transform the culture. Yeah. Because the people aren't stressed and worried that all of a sudden something's going to hit them and they have to drop what they were doing and shift and focus on something new. And so, yeah, that's made up. That's made a huge difference. Yeah. Well, they're not constantly like disrupting their plan to like fight fires that somebody else is dropping on them. So I think the second major thing that we've done is we have, um, almost hundred percent of our internal communications via our task management platform, which for us is Asana doesn't have to be Asana. We have clients Microsoft using Planner, like Trello, Trello, Monday, ClickUp, like all these Jira. things work. But yeah, we personally use Asana. And what it does is it helps you keep all of your communications inside of um, the exact task and project that pertains to them. So there's yeah. almost like a little mini communications thread about that thing. And they're not scattered over email or Slack. By the way, we don't like Slack. We don't have Slack. We don't use Slack. Yeah. So um, it's and all inside the task management platform. It's hard to understate like how important this has been. I mean, we can talk about it till we're blue in the face. And it's so funny. We will. We'll talk. We'll talk to people. Talk to people. I have, I have friends who know I'm a productivity coach, good friends of mine. I've known them for years. And, you know, I say, hey, you know, you should get onto Asana or something like that. And they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Demir, I knew right. you when you were popping zits, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know, like, and then they'll get onto it and be like, oh, oh my, my God. God, like, I didn't realize. Why didn't you tell me? It's like, dude, I've been telling you. It's this is the thing. This is the number one thing that will make it possible for you to disconnect from your email inbox, if that is your goal. Because, yeah, I mean, it's not even that. It's like there's accountability now for people not doing tasks on time. Um, like it's easier to follow up with people about things to understand when something is overdue, anything like that. I mean, it's, it's makes delegating super easy because people have like recurring tasks that they do every month and I never have to tell them to do it. Like literally never. I delegate it once and then it's just like done. You know, this is again, you know, just something that really, it doesn't piss me off. I just feel sad about it. Like, or just confused people. I think the definition of a productivity app is so easy to understand. Like a good productivity app 
helps you do something that used to take you 10 hours and now cuts it down to one, right? So it should be, it should be a no brainer. Like a productivity app should, that is great, should not be hard for you to suss out if it's great or not. You should be able to like, I can't live without this thing because literally when I'm without this thing, I go 10 times slower. But email or like Slack, a lot of people will tell me like, oh my God, like our email went, server went down for a day and it was the most productive day yes, that I've ever had. Same thing with Slack. You're actually more productive when email gets shut down. You're more, there's actually a famous study where people, Slack went down for like whatever, 48, 24 hours. Yeah. And, and people like, measurably were more productive during that period. So I just want to like send a message in a bottle to everybody out there. Like it is not hard to figure out whether something is a good productivity app or not. Like turn it off for a day. Was it the best day you ever had in your life or the worst day? I mean, it really yeah. is that and, simple. And people also get mired down in the features of what each app has. Like, oh, can it connect with my calendar? And like, can oh, it God. do this little thing? I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like, the most important thing is like, can it manage your tasks? Can it help you delegate tasks? Can it help you prioritize tasks? Like the actual features don't matter nearly as much. And also just that it's taking, like it's basically eliminating 30 things and bringing it down into one thing and all of the time saving and stress saving and cognitive load saving. So it's like when people say Asana, I'm just thinking, Man, we're talking about Asana has taken what used to be your to-do list, your email inbox, your text and messages, a ton of emails that no longer need to happen. And it is all now happening in like one fraction of the time in one simple streamlined workflow that just once you get it makes intuitive sense. I feel yeah. like this is a commercial for Asana now, but no, really it's it. For people out there that are like, eh, six to one, half a dozen, two with the other. I could, really I'll just matter. keep my pen and paper to do lists. By no. the way, speaking of commercials, I do have my new Asana course is yes. launched. It is out. You can buy it. I'll put the link in the description. It will teach you how to use Asana. Yes. Actually, since we're on that, we were not actually going to create a course on that because we were just like, oh, you know, there's a lot of stuff online and blah, blah, blah. That, that is the number one thing people requested from us. Um, we just kept getting it again and again, like, Carrie, can you please create like an Asana training course? And so um, we did create that. Um, I would say if I can plug for you and just like scratch your back a little bit, one of the best things is that when you go to Asana, they're never going to tell you what not to do or what their, what their technology is not good at or right. how you should not use it. One of the cool things about your course is that you've got a point of view, like this is good in Asana and this is useless. Yep. Use it for this don't use it for this. Use it in this way. Don't use it in this way. And I think that's what people are really clamoring for. They just want somebody to tell them, like, how should I use this thing? And yes, you really it's do. it's all about how to make yourself successful, not just how to use Asana, but how to make yourself successful using Asana so that you really feel the productivity increase and you feel like working is easier and your team feels it too. Totally. So we'll drop a link to that in the chat box if you're looking. Now, so I just want to recap. The first thing we were talking about, how did we create a zero email business? We started by saying that we started from the top. We have a clear point of view, a clear culture and communication policy. We just covered, um, you know, driving internal communications away from email and chat into a platform like Asana. What's the third one? Well, I, I want to cover a number two really quickly oh, sorry. My bad. that um, there's always exceptions, right? So one exception, the question we always get was like, well, what about really urgent communications? Because yeah, okay. there always are some urgent communications and we have that too, just like yeah, any other sure. team. So we have a specific channel for those urgent communications so that instead of having to check all channels and check Asana like all the time, 
we are we know that if it's something is truly urgent and needs to be dealt with immediately, it's going to go through that channel, which for yep. us and our team is WhatsApp. Yep. Right. So if we get a text message on WhatsApp, we're like, oh, crap, like I better check that right away because yeah. that's something urgent. And it seems off. If you texted me with something casual, it would seem off. Right. Well, and that we also reinforce that if someone does text something casual, we say, hey, can you put this in the sauna? Yes. Because this doesn't go in WhatsApp. Like this is something I can do later, which means I don't want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I call policing the boundaries, but not policing it like a like a jackass, but like gently policing. Yeah, and just like, like, hey, can you please yeah. put that in the sauna? And you do this to me, by the way. Like sometimes I get too too familiar with you because we're married, and I'll I'll say, well, you know, mm. put something like, can you do this for me? And can you, you pay my personal trainer this amount, please? I'm like, <laughs> please put this in the sauna. Put this in the sauna, yeah. All right. So um, in terms of the actual pieces of technology that we use to make it possible for us to move away from email, it is actually critical to use technology in order to move away from email. So um, there's three sort of core pieces of technology. We already talked about Asana for all task management. We already talked about WhatsApp, which is our channel for urgent communication. And the third is screencasting. Screencasting can be done with a variety of screencasting tools like Zoom, Loom, Snagit, Camtasia, all sorts of, there's all tons of free ones, tons of paid ones, um, but screencasting, super crucial. You know, it's, it's hard because like screencasting is one of those things like once you've, once you've got it, you're like, oh my God, this is so easy. This is as easy as like leaving a voice message on somebody's voice. Right. Right. I mean, it's so easy, but from the outside, people are like, that's like speaking, you know, Mandarin Chinese. It's, it really is one of those paper tigers yes. that from the outside looks, oh my God, how could I ever do this? And the second you do it, you're like, why was I? Like now I'm going to so, do it 10 times a day. This is amazing. This is amazing <laughs> and so easy. And why was I overcomplicating it? So we're not going to get into a full breakdown of screencasting. Now I can just say that screencasting is the closest thing to telepathy that we have in modern productivity. And it's going to be the hottest, like in five years from now, it's going to be so common and that people are going to wonder how we ever lived without it. So yeah. for those of you who are not on the screencasting, like cool kids table, like come on over the water, yeah. the water's fine. And we have a whole video tutorial on screencasting, which we will also put in the description. Cool. cool. And the fourth thing that has been critical to us moving away from an email culture is simply redirecting our external communications, meaning yeah. communications with clients, with vendors, with just like, you know, affiliates or other people who don't work for us, um, redirecting all of those communications into the optimal channel for that type of communication. Yeah, which I mean, uh, that might sound like a little bit like fancy, but it takes a little bit of like, first, you got to start with the, uh, the premise that every single email is a failure. Yeah. And that is a weird foreign like concept for people. They're like, what do you mean? Like every single email is a failure. But it means that Email is, as we as we said at the top, a lose lose communication. Your client does not want to tap you out, t- type you out that email, well, and you do not want to receive it. For for example, if a client emails us with a question, we we go back and we say like, well, how could we have answered this question for the client without him having to email us about it? Yes. So if he has a question about our program or how to use a piece of software or what how something works, it's like we go back to the FAQ section and we we write it in there, like we make sure, yeah. and that way we we see our number of communications that we even receive going down because that client is able to see it in exactly the moment they need to see it exactly rather than having to wait for us to respond. Exactly. So uh, here, here's some good examples. Like one is onboarding. I mean, to me, actually, let me back up and just say, you have to go 
upstream of your inbox. So classic analogy is like you go into a doctor and you're having a symptom, the doctor's gonna give you some medicine to treat the system, but then they're quickly gonna pivot to trying to actually treat the cause, right? And so often like emails are just symptoms. They're never causes, right? And so, you know, when somebody comes to me and they have a question, Often I go upstream and say, how could, like, what did I fail to do that right. they had to open an email and send me an email to resolve this? Um, I would say the number one place that people can look to is onboarding their client, right? You know, when you have a new client, just like in a new relationship, that is the moment to tell them how to communicate with you and how to have the optimal communication moment. If you allow them to start falling into bad communication channels, Good luck trying to change that. It's not, it's not going to be perceived as a value add either. Yeah. Like, so one of the ways we do that is by setting expectations. Mm -hmm. For example, we have an email autoresponder that lets anybody who emails us know that they are not going to be able to expect a fast response, that it's, it's going to be a week, you know? Yeah. So, well, and, and, and to know that they have other places. So we always position it as a win-win, right? So we're never, and it's not a load of BS. Like we're, we're actually saying, hey, this is the way that we can communicate together that you're going to get fast, you know, quality responses, but we're also going to be able to do the work that you came to us to do. And there's always a trade-off. And so we're, we want to really find that place where you can get the responses you need rapidly and get high quality responses. Right. But, you know, here's the thing, Gary. People always think that everybody wants a, an instant response from you. That's not actually true. What people need is radical certainty about when they're going to get a response. Yeah, because then they can relax. Yes. And be like, okay, I'm not going to hear from Demir for a week, so I'm good. I mean, another thing too is like, how can you improve the, the quality of communication overall? So instead of getting a client emailing you saying like, oh, I'm struggling with like procrastination, like how can I improve it? Instead, all of our client communication is happening through dedicated forum threads, yeah. one yep. for each client. So that if you get someone asking you that, you can look, first of all, ask it in the thread. Yeah. But then you can look at her thread and say like, okay, like I see that this person is XYZ profession. They've had this issue before. They have this family situation. And it helps give that context to your response yep. that otherwise you're like, well, what? Why are, you know, what type of procrastination are we talking about? Like yeah. what's going on in your life? Like you would need to spend so much time just getting the background needed. And now it's all there conveniently in a, in a thread. Yeah. So these are the different channels that we use, right? We use forum threads. So each client that we have has a forum thread where we have sort of, instead of disconnected emails, it's almost like having the same chain email that we're responding to again and again. Um, so we find that the forum thread is actually a better way for that communication to have it's so much better than email, but it it actually feels it, and a lot like email in the sense that they ask a question. It's more like a, a face, it's like a Facebook thread, more exactly. like a Facebook comment thread. But but one where it's just between me and you. Right, it's There's, private. Yeah, yeah, it's private, right? Um, we also have, um, I say Facebook is our miscellany because some people want to say, some people want to reach out to us and say, Demir and Carrie, have you seen this book? Have you seen this app? Great. Don't send me an email. Put it in the Facebook. Yeah, because that way other people get value from it too. Exactly. And if I reply and say, hey, you know what I love about this? You know what I don't love about this? Yes, you and I communicated, but then the whole group saw it as well and got an opportunity to get value. Of course, we talked about Asana. We don't have to say that again. But if, for example, you're a client, but I'm going to bring you into it on a closer project that we're going to work on, I would actually bring you into Asana and we would work in there, right? We have an FAQ site. In fact, one of our goals for the last two years has been able, has it been to create the best FAQ anywhere? Because at the end of the day, 
Um, let's be honest. If we're really honest about each about it, when you've given an answer like a hundred times, the quality that hundred and first and second time starts to go down because you're just like, I've answered this question so right. many times. And I so you want to give like the best quality response you can do it once Knock and it then have it available for everybody. Totally. What else? Um, Gosh, I mean, obviously we have a lot, we have live calls as well. So that's yes. the opportunity. So say if you get like a really good question via the Facebook group or any channel, even the forum, you could say like, Hey, I'm actually going to respond to this live. Like yeah. it's such a good question that I want to respond to it and give everybody there on that call the chance to hear the response. Or it's, or it's a question that has like a component, like, can you show me how to set X or Y up? It's like, emailing that would be impossibly hard. It's better to just be like, Hey, can you come to the next live call that's on? And we have one every single week. So it's easy to just be like, yo, can I answer this in, in this coming week's live call? Right. Yeah. Um, and of course we have an internal website. So, so uh, often people, let me just pause and, and, and connect the thread because people have so much, so many limitations understanding, well, if it's not email, then what is it? And I'll just be very clear forum, Facebook, Asana, live calls, FAQ website, internal website resources. Like these are the kinds of things that together can be much better sort of avenue for communicating with people externally. Yep, yep, yep. And then even expectations and boundaries. Like we tell clients in advance that we don't help them with, for example, Excel spreadsheets. Yes. We'll help them with Google Sheets issues, but never Excel spreadsheet issues. It's yeah. just a boundary we've set for ourselves because we're not Excel experts and we don't provide any of our materials in Excel. We only yeah. use Google Sheets. And so we just tell people like, sorry, like you'll have to contact somebody else about that. But it, it, again, doesn't that just go back to like, this issue of like, people don't want an instant response. They want security yeah. and certainty. And I feel like when you tell somebody we don't support Excel, period, and you just draw that line, part of you doesn't want to do that because you don't want to lose a client. You don't want to say, no. Want to say no. Yeah. But when you do, that client has immediate clarity. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to email them about this. Then I'm going to go somewhere else and get that support. So before we wrap up, I guess I just want to say like, You've, you've worked in like email cultures yeah. and, and then we have a zero email culture. So if you were just going to like give a flavor of like, what does it feel like before and after to, to actually have a zero email culture? No, I just feel like I'm on top of my work. Yeah. I don't feel like any balls have been dropped. I feel like everybody who needs a response from me has actually gotten that response. I yeah. don't feel like I'm letting anybody down. I feel like I understand the... Um, the status of not only my own tasks, but all of my team's tasks at any moment without having to ask them. It's just publicly, it's just available. I can check. Um, I feel like I don't have to project manage nearly as much. I'm not chasing people down for work. Like it just feels like getting work done is so much easier. I mean, I spend the vast majority of my day actually moving the ball forward yeah. rather than communicating. Yeah. And I feel like for me, the big difference is that I actually work during the work day. So like Every work day during working hours, I'm getting deep work done. It used to be, I remember when I worked in finance, that I would spend all day just email ping-ponging. Ping and then yeah. I'd have to find time either early in the morning or late at night or on weekends to do the real value. I remember editing. doing that too. Yeah, on weekends, I'm like, okay, finally, I get a chance to work. Yeah. I'm going to go to a cafe and like actually get some work done. And I remember I'd be like, <laughs> what is it? What's so magical about like working on the weekends? I just feel like I can really get things done. There's nothing magical, right? Nobody's like, bothering It's just you. that nobody's bothering you with email. So um, yeah, I, I, I think this, this is sort of like a message as we wrap this up, you know, 
I think is zero email cultures are going to be radically common in the future um, or modified where, you know, ex internally we don't do email, but maybe externally we do email. Um, but I think this is the next wave. I really want to encourage anybody who's curious about it to have hope. You know, this is one of those things where people are like, could I really dare to dream yeah. <laughs> that I could have this? Yes, you can. You can have dream. it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, please check out our other podcasts, either on YouTube or whatever whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. And you can learn more about us at lifehackmethod.com.